Boom. What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, and this is the Soccer Comic Rant. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that it's just me, Ian Edwards, uh, United fan, and Lee Hudson, uh, stand-up comic, and Southampton fan. Just two winners from the weekend. This is a podcast of winners. Neil is not here, suspiciously. It's kind of suspect his disappearance last minute. I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that he's a Chelsea fan and that they lost to Lee's Southampton unexpectedly at home with a big-ass budget this weekend. We're going to probe into that more as the week goes on and find out exactly what this mystery disappearance of Neil is really about. We don't know (laughs) if he could withstand the multiple questions that we were going to ask him or if he's single-handedly just flew to England to make sure Graham Potter is fired and is not the next coach for the next game. We don't know if he's drinking all the booze that's new, usually in his backdrop of his Zoom. Uh, we don't, so we'll, we'll find these all these things out, but we know that Chelsea lost and Neil is not here. Uh, so if you're listening, now you have all that information and you know it's just me, Ian Edwards, Man United fan, and Lee Hudson, Southampton fan. Winners! on this Zoom today. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're going to talk about Chelsea. lost to Southampton. We're going to talk about United just marching on, doing their things. You know what I'm saying? Ten Hag and, like, the team performing in uh, above and beyond in ways that nobody expected. We're going to talk about Liverpool. Two wins in a row. Ooh, Liverpool. What? And uh, we're going to talk about Arsenal doing Villa, you know, and uh, at the Villa in style. What a thrill of a game. And, uh, you know, we'll mention Brentford Crystal Palace, Brighton Fulham. You know, we'll we'll get into the the Premier League. And we'll also talk about midweek matches, United versus Barcelona, the Europa League playoff. And, uh, And then on the weekend, but I guess we'll talk about that in a midweek show the weekend game when United plays Newcastle. And, oh yeah, and I'll thank Liverpool for what they did to cripple Newcastle in the goalkeeper position in their game against them this week. That will kind of help their old foe, Man United, have a chance to win silverware this weekend. But uh, let's just introduce victorious Lee Hudson, what up, fam? What's going on? How you feeling? I'm I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit more positive than I did um, last week. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's still you know it's <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 a small step in the right direction. So I'm 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 feeling good. You're you're, you're beaming. You got a smile on your face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I I can see the 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 you. Yeah, smile through your beard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So you're definitely, you know, in a good mood. And you should be. You should be. So I guess we should deal with the Southampton Chelsea game because, you know, both of you guys needed to win for different reasons. And uh both of you guys, you know, Neil and you support to of the main teams on this podcast and you went head to head 
And I just want to ask you some questions about this game because I know you watched it. What looked better, uh, Southampton style of play or your interim's coach's suit? Like, which one was better on the day? Uh, I mean, it's got to be the football. Um, I love that Ruben, <laughs> Ruben dressed up for the occasion. Um, uh-huh. You know, they say dress for the job you want. And he's been pretty vocal even before the game. He was saying, he goes, I'm not, he goes, I'm, I'm ready. I, I'm, I want to be a manager. I've been, pre- I've been preparing for this. I've been, mm-hmm. he says, you know, I've been ready for this for the last few years. I've just been waiting um, mm-hmm. for his chance. So, you know, he, he came out looking the part. Um, apparently the players mocked him a little bit for the suit and said they're going to buy him a new one, a nice one. Um, Hilarious. <laughs> um, but I mean, I would say keep wearing it until we lose. There's obviously some yeah. some some lucky, uh, you know, superstition behind that. So um, yeah, keep wearing it, man. It's, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we... He, yeah, he that sort suit of still opened. has some of his old clubbing luck in left in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the guy's young. He's only thirty nine, so um, right. yeah, he's, he's probably out in the clubs after uh, <laughs> after the game. But um, no, he's got a, he's got a wife and kids, so he's, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. But um, I mean, he's he, he kind of took it back to the Hasenhall tactics. He went back to Hasenhall's old formation, the four two two two. Went with a high press, like against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. It could be easy to just go there and try and sit and play deep. Um, right. But we went and got in, we went and got in their faces. We tried to get at them. We tried to press them. We tried to force mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a little bit of that out of them. Um, there were times as well where we had to defend. Um, mm-hmm. Goal line clearances were getting made. Um, saves were getting made. You know, Chelsea, Chelsea put the pressure on, but I mean, they still didn't do enough to score. We've kept two clean sheets against them this season, which, I mean... I know Neil moans about their their goal scoring prowess or lack of, and he definitely was after that game. So, um, yeah, I think we both had four shots on target in total. So, you know, they they had more shots overall than us, but they just weren't clinical. And yeah, seventeen. We were seventeen in total. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I think we had four. On, was it four on target each? Uh, five on target each. Five on target each. Yeah. Corner Google. Yeah. So. In terms of making the keeper work, we you know we were pretty level with them on that, and obviously, when you've got someone like James Ward Prowse in the team, Ooh. when you get a free kick in that range, then there's you know every chance there could be a goal at the end of it, and you know thankfully he he found the corner, um, and yeah, I mean I I I kind of hate the way that we are over reliant on him for goals at times, but. Mm-hmm. as long as someone's scoring them then I don't care like if, if that's what it takes to win a game 1-0 then that might mm-hmm. be the difference at the end of the season I want I want other players to start chipping in um, Suleimana had quite a good chance when um, he got the other side of Koulibaly early on in the game and then missed the chance and kept made the save so um, yeah it'd be good if other people started weighing in with the goals because we need that um, if we're going to you know win other games because we can't always rely on some Ward Prowse magic. Um, he's only one free kick away from equaling David Beckham's record now, though, yeah. of Premier League free kick goals. Beckham's on 18, Ward Prowse is on 17. So I'm pretty sure he'll get there um, and, and probably overtake him. But, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, Maitland Niles put a big block in in the box. Pet Roman Perro mm-hmm. cleared one off the line and then started beating his chest afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some videos that um, some journalists took of our bench towards the end of the game and all the subs were 
like cheering the team on and going crazy as well. So it feels like the new, you know, the, or the caretaker manager at the moment, which I, I think he will probably end up being the new manager, but he seems to have got everyone fighting and together, um, which, you know, couldn't always be said under Nathan Jones. He was always looking for a fight with someone, whereas uh, Ruben Sellers seems like he wants to get everyone together and just, you know, create some togetherness, which is it's, it's what you need in this sort of environment. Um, you can't really start picking fights with fans and picking fights with journalists and talking all sorts of crazy shit in press conferences when you're losing games and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a completely different atmosphere. In the space of a week, it's a completely different atmosphere around the team. There's some positivity now, but Leeds next week is huge um, yeah. because this win... And they lost this, this week. Yeah. And West Ham lost as well. Um, but this win puts us back in with a chance. Um, it's still not a massive chance, but it's a better chance than it was last week after the loss to Wolves. So um, if we can go and do something at Leeds next weekend, that would be huge. Like that would really give me hope that, you know, we can turn this around. Because um, what I would hate is for this game against Chelsea to just be a one-off. Because I've seen it happen already this season. You know, we beat Chelsea under Hasenhut and we thought, okay, this will be where we start picking up some wins now. And we didn't. Um, you know, we beat Man City in the in the League Cup. Um, and then we beat Everton in the league. And I was like, okay, maybe we're gonna get some wins now. And then we didn't. Um, so this is this is where it counts now, where you know, Leeds away, it's not gonna be easy. They're down there fighting as well. They're without a manager at the moment. I don't know if they'll have someone this week, but if they hire someone this week, then you know, there's the potential there for a new manager bounce. Um so yeah, next week's got so much riding on it because um, if we lose that, then we're sort of back in in the hole again. Whereas if we win it, we could be you know in a much much more positive position than uh, than we've been all season. So <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a real everything's on. It feels like it's on a knife edge at the moment. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be out there when the Leeds game's being played as well. So I'm going to have to get up at at crazy o'clock to uh, yeah. Now you're going to try know how and, I feel. Exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try and catch that game, and uh, yeah, hoping it doesn't then ruin the rest of my day. <laughs> oh, it will. It will. <laughs> what you call it? Uh, I'm looking at the table now, glancing down to my right, mm. and uh, you guys got 18 points. Like, if you win next week, and say if you play, I don't know, first next week, right? And mm. it's, it, you you have 18 points now. If you finish, you play first and you win next week, you could be in 16th place. So that's how tight this thing is because you'd be tied with Everton on 21 points until they play later. And so you jump over Bournemouth, West Ham, mm. Leeds, and you'd be level with Everton. And so who knows? And Wolves, I think they lost this week. So they're susceptible. Uh, so, you know, you have a chance. And, you know, there was a point this season when I was like, I think you guys are going down. And I wasn't hating on it. It's just like you had all the ingredients of a team going down. But yeah. one thing Nathan Jones said, and even a wrong person who's wrong a lot can be right sometimes, like he was confident about the new buys. Like, and it was the only thing he was confident about. Mm. And you didn't have those buys when I thought, Man, you guys are like you're going down. So I don't know if this 
you know, you, this guy might be your coach for the rest of the season just based on, I'm assuming Southampton don't have a lot of money or doesn't want to spend a lot of money. So they might like, this might be the cheapest way out. You yeah. Know? And if if this guy can keep, you know, let's, let's see if you can get a, a two manager bounce for <laughs> one manager. <laughs> and uh, I mean, but you know, I, I would root for Leeds, but they don't have an American coach anymore. So there's no reason to root for them. <laughs> Like those American players are good, so they're going to get games in the Premier League yeah, and deserve yeah. games anyway. So that Arrington would be all right, McKinney would be all right, and Adams would be all right. You know, mm. so Tyler Adams would be all right. So uh, they just won't be on the same team probably, but yeah. they, they, they're, they're definitely putting impressive performances every time they play. Yeah. So there's no reason for me to like like <laughs> Leeds anymore without an American coach. So I could be, honestly be like, yeah, let me root for Southampton. <laughs> next week you know what i mean like yeah you know, i mean we, we've gone we've we've got some money um but i don't think they want to spend too much on a coach which right i kind of get because we we, we ended up have we paid three million to get jones out of his um Luton contract Luton. we signed him on a three and a half year deal and then we fired him after 94 days so i'm pretty sure he got the rest of his deal with us paid off Right. Um, which I think he was getting paid 1.25 million a season or something. So we've mm-hmm. probably paid about six, seven million to to get rid of this guy or to get this guy and then get rid of him, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a lot for a manager. Um, but you yeah, know, he Premier can't, League survivals. He can't, he can't hate Southampton too much. With <laughs> yeah, that he's, he's pretty. He's, he's pretty sex. I don't think he was earning that much at Luton, um, but. You know, Premier League survival is is worth so much money as well, though. So, you know, if they decide they don't want Ruben Sellers to continue, they need to make sure they pay the proper money to go and get the sort of manager that will keep us there. But at the moment, um, you know, because it's, it's hard hiring when it's your third manager of the season. It's hard hiring when you're bottom of the league. It's hard hiring this time of season. So... Mm-hmm. I would rather we give him a chance than go and, you know, get someone like Lampard just because he's available and yeah. doesn't cost money to take anywhere. I'd rather have a guy who the players clearly like. At the end right. of the game, the, the, play, the players were all pushing him to the front of the, the celebrations. They made him go over to oh, get no. the, the adulation from the fans. They were like pointing at him being like, yes, like go over. Um, so the, the, the players have all spoken really highly of him and that they love his sessions and they love the way he communicates and, his tactics as well, the way he sees the game. Um, and apparently for the last like two weeks of Nathan Jones's reign, he wouldn't let Sellers do anything oh, because yeah. he, I don't think he liked him or didn't like that. The players liked him kind of thing. How, how did Sellers um, get there? Nathan didn't bring him in? No, he, he was, he was um, brought in in the summer because Hassenhutl's mm-hmm. staff were cleared out and, the board gave Hassenhutl like a list of coaches and said, these are the ones we like. Are there any oh, okay. that you like? And he, Hassenhutl essentially chose him um, along with the board. Um, but he said he was texting Hassenhutl before the game. Hassenhutl wished him luck. Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of, I think Sellers got on better with Hassenhutl than he did with Jones because he was sort of saying, you know, we need to go back to some of Hassenhutl's tactics. We need to, um, you know, draw on what made us a difficult team to to beat at times then. So, um, yeah, he's definitely got more similarities tactically there, but he still has his own sort of twist on it. But yeah, we were we were play, playing out from the back. We were pressing high. So he's he's bold. Um, but like I say, if the players like him and the players buy into it, then 
that's huge at this stage of the season. Just the, you know, the players enjoying what they're doing and wanting to fight for the manager and be together as a team is is going to be you know that, that I mean that's the fundamentals that you need to build on to then get results. Okay, so I don't know if this is a question or I just want to make a statement about Chelsea because they were involved in this too. Mm. So maybe by the time I get to it, it will end up being a question. But <laughs> I, I do have a, a commentary on Graham Potter. Chelsea's 10th. And 10th would be good if you're Brighton. Like, if Graham Potter is 10th and he's coaching Brighton, he's like, oh, we're in a great spot. We're not going to get relegated. And I'm Brighton and we're 10th. But I think... Grandpa doesn't realize he's not coaching Brighton anymore. And I know that you have a lot of new players. The owner knows they bought your new players. And it's almost like they just hired him again because the team that he started coaching in the middle, in the, uh, a few months ago, is not the same team. It's like they actually bought basically a brand new team. So he has to figure it out. And I know that he has the confidence of the new owners, but you can't make the mistake of thinking they're going to give you a bright amount of time to figure this out. Like the owners, they're probably honest when they say, hey, man, we're going to give you time to the end of the season to figure this out. But Chelsea fans who are used to being in the top four a lot of their moaning and complaining will bend the ears of the same owners who told you you got time. You have to realize where you are. You're at Chelsea. And you have to be more practical and more specific. And you have to pick a team that you're the most confident will give you a chance to win every week. You have to like, doesn't matter how many new players you got, you have to skim that shit down to the people you think can gel the fastest and get you results. Because Chelsea is different from Brighton. Chelsea is a is a results team. Like when Tuku got there, the first few games were ugly, but he got ties and they stopped letting in goals. And then they started with the same group of players to learn how to win games and get full results. And then he learned the rest of the players from there. And that's what that's the mistake Tuchel is making. That is exactly what Tuchel is not. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, not Tuchel. That's the mistake that Potter's doing. He's not, he's thinking, I have all this time because they told me I do. You don't, because people up top change their minds all the time. They have enough money to fire you and try three more new coaches by the end of the season, bro. So your next game better be the people you think are your best players. And you and you have to be more practical and play them, let they get their chemistry together so that they can have the best chance to get you wins. Ten Hag, let me name some top coaches in the Premier League right now. Uh, besides Pep, but even Pep, when he started at Man City, used mostly the same players every game. Uh, uh, Klopp 
in his prime at Liverpool, uses the same players of the game. You'd see Arsenal and Chamberlain on the bench. You'd see uh, the, the, the guy, the, you'd see, uh, I forgot his name. He doesn't play for them anymore. You'd see, uh, you'd see Keita on the bench and good fresh midfielders on the bench, but Klopp would always use the same midfielders in, to, to, in all the competitions. You know what I mean? And, and he had players there that he got as backups. And uh, Arteta is basically using the same core all the time. And the things that these teams have in common, they're using the same. Even Fulham, I know, I can guess every week who Fulham's going to start. And I'm not a Fulham fan. It's the same fucking players, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like this indecision and indecisiveness and playing with these toys is killing you. You need to give a certain group of players time and games to develop the chemistry that could keep you your job. This switching and swapping is not helping. You do not have the time they told you. You were in the Premier League before, but you weren't in the real Premier League. Now you're in the real Premier League and you don't have the time that you had at Brighton Hove. Uh, so that's uh, uh, my, so maybe I answered my question, but what, uh, my question, I guess, is what do you think since you play, since this is the team you played, what do you think Potter got wrong this weekend? I mean, it's, it's a tough one because he, you know, Neil, Neil was one of Neil's big beefs was that like, you know, he, ha he hasn't been playing strikers. Um, he's been playing, you know, Havertz as the, as the nine uh, or false nine. And he dropped Havertz this weekend. He, he had him on the bench um, and he played um, David Datro oh, Fafana instead, oh. who didn't really do much, but he's, he's a young kid who's come from, from Mulder, I think it was in, in Norway. So, he's not fully up to speed with the Premier League and he's also not fully up to speed with senior football because he's like 19 or 20 years old. Mm. Um, so it's a lot to put on him. I still find it crazy that Potter keeps claiming there's no personal issues with Aubameyang and then not playing the dude. Um, mm. Because, you know, he scored goals at Arsenal. He scored goals at Barca. Um, you know, the, he's experienced. He's, he's a good finisher. Um, and when you're on top of games, but you're not taking your chances, I don't know why you wouldn't give a guy like that a go in the team. Um, it feels quite strange and it feels like there must be something personal. There must be an issue there that they're not talking about because yeah, to, to start a younger guy who hasn't got that experience and didn't really affect the game, um, was strange. And then he ended up bringing him off and throwing Sterling and Havertz on and, Sterling looked good when he came on. Uh, he's not a forward. He's not a striker, but he's a he's a good forward. So he caused us problems. But they just didn't really have any cutting edge. Um, you know, the fact that we were able to ride out twelve minutes of injury time as well um, mm -hmm. when Chelsea were trying to throw everything at us and they didn't really look like scoring. So, um, and I mean, I hope Aspilicueta is okay as well because that was a hefty, uh, oh, yeah. hefty boot to the face that he took, and that's why there was so much injury time. Um, but I mean, yeah, they just, they've got a lot of the ingredients of a good team, Chelsea, but they need to be clinical. It's, you know, something we've spoken about before on the podcast, something Neil's constantly moaning about. Um, mm -hmm. 
but you know we we don't keep clean sheets i think the last time we kept one was against chelsea yeah. um in the league anyway um so it's 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 a bit crazy i think that was our first clean sheet in yeah in in so long so um yeah it's 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 a strange one because i don't think they're playing terribly um and i don't think they have a terrible squad but like you say they they are chopping and changing quite regularly with the players um like he rested quite a few like tiago silva didn't play this game reese james didn't play this game um just a bit a bit strange that he would and like i say leaving a Birmingham out when he's their only real experience recognized center forward as well it just it's all a bit yeah like it's not it doesn't look horribly bad on the pitch but also if you take because i know they speak about performances a lot and that's what he said after the dortmund game but if you just look at the form and the stats, it's pretty atrocious for yeah, a team of Chelsea's size. Yeah, I'm looking like, at it's the stats pretty bad. right now. Yeah. It, yeah. This, 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 this shouldn't be the stats. 31 points is not, this shouldn't be the stats of a team that spent that much money in just a fall window, yeah. much less. Uh, let me, so what did you, what did Potter get wrong the worst? Like, how he coached the game or what he said in the post-game press conference, like which one was his biggest mistake of the day? I mean, it's got to be the it's got to be the selection because then if the selection's right, then it doesn't lead to the the way he had to handle himself in the in the in the post-game press conference. The post-game press conference was, I mean, it wasn't quite Nathan Jones levels, um, but it was oh, showing it, it was showing signs. <laughs> it was showing signs, and this is what happens when managers start feeling the pressure. They start losing their mind. We've spoken before about it how they start losing their mind yeah. a little bit in the press CTE. conferences. Like, the CTE, they start giving those CTE press conferences. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, you know, even yeah. even Pep isn't immune from that. So right. Um, yeah, I mean, and just the stuff he was saying about us as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he said team. With, yeah, and with when he said, like, with the greatest respect, it's like, okay, well, this is clearly going to be a disrespectful comment coming here. Um, and he said, yeah, with the greatest respect, if you're, if you're losing at home 1-0 to Southampton, things are, you know, things aren't good. So, um, I mean, I can't it's pretty, really... It's, I know, pretty, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a shitty thing to say, but it, yeah, 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 it's a it's shitty true. thing to say, but it's also not an untrue thing to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, he it's an interesting one because he's he's starting to get the fans turning on him now. Like I think there were always fans who were a little bit unconvinced by him, um, but the majority seemed to want to get behind him and give him time, and then. I mean, at the weekend, there were boos after the game. There was a lot of fans calling into the talk shows and stuff, mm-hmm. um, saying that, you know, he's not up to the job and that. And even if the board have sort of already made the decision in their heads that they want to stick with him and give him the summer and start next season and see how he gets on, if the fans turn against you and yeah. they're vocally turning against you, it becomes harder for the board to to go, well, the plan is to stick with him until next season and see how he gets on after another transfer window and a preseason with the team. Um, because the fans just won't have that patience and they'll make it known. They're already starting mm-hmm. to make it known. And it becomes, I mean, I saw it happen in a sort of microcosm with Samson and Nathan Jones, because it all happened really quickly. The fact that he wasn't with us very long at all, but as soon as the fan base turned toxic, 
um, right. and the atmosphere turned bad, you like it's, it's such an uphill battle to claw that back. And the only way you can is by winning games. And every week that goes by, he doesn't win a game. Um, it just gets worse and worse. So, yeah, I mean, there's only so long you can be unlucky or have poor performances or have injuries to blame. And then, you know, you'll run out of excuses. And I think he's starting to get to that stage. So we'll see just how patient that Chelsea board are when the fans start fans mm-hmm. start turning, um, if they don't start winning some games soon. Yeah, next week we'll know if uh, Lee, if Neil was successful in all his phone calls to the Chelsea board <laughs> to get Potter out of there. Like, I'm sure he's busy. It's like, get, all right, so get so-and-so on. I, would, I need to speak to the manager. I need to speak to the manager's manager. He's, he's probably like going... He probably didn't even need to do that. He's probably just trying to drive up to LA because that's where Todd Bowley's, uh, Todd Bowley's <laughs> yeah, based, yeah. isn't it? He's probably knocking on the door of Dodger Stadium right now. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the league, I mean, yeah, 10th place, like it doesn't look good for them. Um, Just trying to see. And they got Spurs next. That's a derby. Yeah. Um, That's on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, Martin will be loving that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe we should all try to watch that together. Maybe not because it's uh, it's an early, early, early game. That's going to be on at like 2.30 in the morning, I think, or something crazy. No, nah, the, the, the earliest game is always like 4.30 a.m. Or four, 4.30. I mean, that's still crazier. <laughs> um, I'm normal. Yeah, normal I mean, for us. That's <laughs> the Premier League commercial out here. Like people waking up early and getting out of bed and leaving their loved ones to go downstairs to watch the games. That's actually like oh. the, the flavor of our commercials. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm on vacation. I'll be getting in at 4.30. So right, I'll be rolling yeah. in to watch that game. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that, that'll be a big one, really big one at Tottenham as well. So there's a lot of pressure on Chelsea there. Yeah, I said it last week. I was, I was teasing. I was asking Neil, I'm like, you think Pato will keep his job if he loses to uh, Southampton next week? No disrespect to you. But at the same mm. time, I, I didn't even comprehend that the game was being played at Chelsea. Or maybe I did say it, but... Mm. It, like you, you, you can't lose. At they would have been mad if he tied. If it was a two-two thriller, they would have been mad. So, but they, 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 he lost. So, uh, Neil yeah. is going to be joining us as well. Okay, you said something. Like that. Just, All right. Yeah, he, he just wanted to avoid. He wanted to avoid the Southampton Chelsea part of the <laughs> All right, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, let's move on to something else because maybe we'll end up going back to that. Yeah. So let's just. Keep it moving a little bit. I'm trying to think what's the next important thing to discuss. And I guess let's go to the title race because Arsenal was faced facing a test after getting beat by by the reigning champs, Man City, midweek on Wednesday. They had to play Villa at Villa and Villa as a new coach. And that new coach used to be Arsenal's coach, he was the first coach to be hired after Wenger, and he was ceremoniously dumped out of there. They didn't give him a chance to really do what he wanted to do, and uh, you know, so he definitely had a vendetta, and you could tell that he gave that rally speech to Aston Villa players because they came out hot. And I've been talking to Lloyd about Villa. He's a big Villa fan, goes to what he was at this game, and, uh, you know, and I was saying that Villa... 
you know, when I watched their games, when I watched Steven Gerrard coach them, there were things Villa was doing. And I'm like, how do you fix this? There was like, no, there was, there was like the team aspect, how you get the ball up the field and how do you pass to each other, do combinations or hold on to the ball for more than five passes. Like, you know, it was tough to have a, a more than a five pass possession for Villa. But now leading up to this game, like Villa would show these flashes of attacking fluidity, like that's worthy of like some of the top teams in the league and they would look really good. And if you look at Villa's two goals against Arsenal, they were class goals. They were the type of goals that top teams scored. So when they scored and it was 2-1, 2-2, it was like, uh-oh, Arsenal. Like, if you lose this, this is the league. You know, because, yeah, you could lose to City, but if you lose again to Villa, that's when next week you're really mentally on shaky ground. So they really needed to win this game. And they rallied back and uh, they dug in. And then the, the, the third goal was like, you remember when uh, Man City was being chased by Liverpool and it was towards the end of the season one year and, uh, and uh, Vincent Company just scored that banger out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what this uh, Jorginho goal kind of reminded me of. And, <laughs> and, and as far as that Jorginho goal, do you think it's fair that that's her own goal and off Martinez? And, and like <laughs> the, the class, the, the build-up to that goal and the class of that shot, is it fair that we call that or they call that an own goal. Like, look at that goal, and you'll be like, he'll, he'll never get... How does Jorginho never get credit for the goal that wins the game when he did everything to put it in the back of the net? Like, what do you think I mean, of, like, situations like that? I mean, he got the assist, technically. Uh, but no, I, I think yeah. it's right that it, it doesn't count as his goal. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, great, it's, it's a great shot, but it's still a shot that's not going in. Um like it's bouncing down and away from the goal. So, you know, it's hit the keeper to go in. Um, and it's, it's, it's really unlucky on Martinez, but you got to admire Arsenal's fight for getting back in that game and wanting to, to try and grind something out. Um, I thought Emery's... I just, I, I just started, I, I think Lee Harvey Oswald would have been proud of that shot. That's, <laughs> that's the shot that they're saying that Lee Harvey Oswald used to shoot Kennedy three times. When they say it was one <laughs> one shooter, one shot, and it's like, oh, really? that's that's now I believe that theory more than ever. <laughs> well, sorry, go oh ahead. dear. Um, I just meant to say, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald is someone who you know had a shot attributed to him that he probably didn't take. So, um, right, Georgini, exactly. <laughs> took we saw shot, him do it. He didn't hit the target. Right. <laughs> um, but I found Emery's press conference really interesting when he was um, laying into Martinez for going up for the corner. Um, I mean, it's the 98th minute. Why, I mean, why wouldn't you want your keeper up there? We saw with Liverpool once, Alisson went up there yes. and scored him. And, and Martinez is a big dude as well. And he's mm-hmm. like, he can play football. So um, like keepers cause chaos when they go up there. Even if they don't get the touch, they can 
distract some people. Um, and in the 98th minute, I mean, I don't think you've got anything to lose um, in the 98th minute. I, I find it weird if a keeper goes up like before the 90, if they right. go up at like 85 or something and it's like, well, you still had time <laughs> to make other chances. So if you right. concede like that, then I get it. Um, but in the 98th minute, it doesn't make a difference. Um, either you, you know, you score off the corner and you're back in it or, you know, if you concede a goal and you're 40 down, well, you were going to lose anyway because you didn't score at the other end. So I don't mm-hmm. think it makes a, a, a difference really. Um, so I found that a bit of an overreaction from Emery there. Um, it was a little bit weird, but I mean, I thought everything about Emery was weird on, on Saturday because I don't know who wears a, a, a bronze coloured gilet on the sideline. Yeah. That that was some... That was some wild fashion going on there. Um, I, mean, I, I can't remember what he had on. A bronze colour gilet just sounds funny. It was it was pretty disgusting. It was very European, to be honest. Um, let me... Uh, I'll see if I can get a picture up quick. Um, it's already... I, I typed... I started typing Emery Gilet into um, Twitter. And I, I did Emery G, and it already started filling in the rest for Gilet. Um, how, how do you spell Gilet? I'm a... G I L E T, I think, or it might be double L. But it was uh, it was pretty hideous. But I can't. Um... Well, I'm gonna type it in on it. How <laughs> you spell G I L I E T? G I L E T. Oh, okay, Gillet. Right, but I can't seem to find a pic. There's loads of people like tweeting about it, but none of them actually posting a a picture of it. Um, I'm seeing some <laughs> photos, but it just looks like he's not a dresser. Like he's no your new interim coach. Yeah, he <laughs> he's definitely not that. You know, they're both Spanish. <laughs> Unai's facial expression just always convey pain, some sort of pain, like he conveys like walking on hot coal face, you know, <laughs> let's see if I click images. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought this, yeah. He looked like the, he's wearing a Ninja turtle shell. <laughs> he found yeah, it. That, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, that, that did stand out to me, but I also noticed that he wears a blue version of that. So then he just wore the brown yeah. version yeah, because the blue pictures. The blue one looks fine. It was the color right. that got me more than anything. It was pretty disgusting. Yeah, it, like he's wearing it inside of a ninja turtle, like on his body. You <laughs> yeah, know? just in case yeah. anyone is wondering, that's the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's how it looks. It's just a weird look to have. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. Yeah, not great. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh about I guess one more thing about this match is that Arsenal showed their fight. Jorginho helped them, like, like he contributed. You know, Parde's out, and if Arsenal lose this, they're going to look at him as the bad luck charm for this team because he's the thing that they had in common in all the points that they dropped. So the fact that he actually helped them get three points is just whew, for him. And uh, as far as Emery getting upset about it being 4-2, uh, I, I get what, what he's saying because it makes it look like they got their ass whooped. Like years from now, 
people just look at that score and say, Una, I got his ass whooped. He got outplayed in a game where I was talking to Lloyd. I was like, I know, I said, how do you feel about this game? And, and, and we kind of agreed that Villa, just because you lose, doesn't mean you play bad. The score makes it look like Villa played bad. But if you watch this game, they actually had a good game because he's saying Arsenal is miles above them. You don't expect a Villa team to beat Arsenal. But if you saw the game, there's so many good, so much good play by Villa. And mm. like, as I described, those two goals that they scored and just other things at balls that they didn't put in the net, they, they look great for them. So even though they lost and dropped all the points at home, this is great for them. It's just that the, the fourth goal is kind of demoralizing, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think that's what Gile Emery Unai did not <laughs> want on the scoreboard, you know? Yeah. No, like you say, that the, the goals they took really well. Watkins' goal was was such a good finish. Um, and, and you know, Bailey Bailey came so close with that one that Ramsdale yeah, post, pushed yeah. onto the onto the woodwork. Um, so, you know, it could have been it could have been such a different story, um, you know, if that chance had gone in. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think Villa should have anything to feel ashamed about. Um, you know, I thought that was a, a really good performance from them. It just that, you know, Arsenal came out fired up in that second half and towards the end of the game they just they they managed to scrap it and get it over the line which you know they're they're a desperate team right now so um you know credit to them for doing that but yeah Villa definitely um definitely didn't disgrace themselves in that game at all no they didn't it's, it's just the score looks like it did mm. if you you know if you're not paying attention uh trying to think where we should go next so let's just go to man city and yeah the fact that they created so many chances against forest and like crazy chances and and like harlan like put one over the bar like right in front of the goal but also forest did something in the transfer window they got one of the best goalkeepers in the last 10 years to join their club on loan from psg and that's a factor because he was in the right place at the right time for some of the mischances that City had or caused some of those mischances. He's the reason why Man City could only score one goal out of the many chances that created, which kept Forrest in there for that one goal that they, they, they did score. And so kudos for Forrest for hanging in there. I'm sure... Met, not not no forest are getting like a bunch of like gift cards and presents from <laughs> a certain part of london right now <laughs> like they, it's like a surprise you know they're gonna open the door and see flowers and think their girlfriend is cheating on them the players and it's like no 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 i got it from <laughs> london somewhere somebody sent these over and said thank you you know <laughs> so yeah forest man like pulling out a point out of literally nowhere against uh, a city team that was bombing them, like just running sorties on military sorties on them, like on a, on a disrespectful level, like <laughs> <laughs> they was like going at them. So kudos for us, you know, just for, you know, they're trying to not get relegated to. So they, they had a reason to, to, uh, 
to 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 fight for something and man and man city had even more of a reason to fight for something but just couldn't get the ball in it and it's just one of those games and uh, it was i think it was woods that scored so it's, it's funny that uh he came from burnley to newcastle and got transferred at the transfer window in january to forest because forest will buy anybody like you available we'll we'll take you so you know <laughs> one of their buys you know helped you know their january buys helped them get a, a vital point that they needed uh yeah, come, so then come that, join the 50 other signings yeah come join the 50 other signings like we, we but we know how to use you better than chelsea does don't worry <laughs> so forest are in 13th place with 25 points just checking that let me just go back to the matches. Uh, we did. Let's 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 go to United. Did you get a chance to see it? Yeah, yeah. I was out today, but um, when I got in, I've uh, I've been able to um, to watch the game, catch it up. Um, yeah, really so, interesting so, game. So, so my question: What you what you think about us, man? You know, I don't want to be the one to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in um, general, you know, what you think about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, Ten Hag's changed the team around, mm-hmm. um, which uh, was was bold. Um, but obviously, you know, you guys are in, in different competitions. You got cup final coming up. Um, you got you know the second leg against Barcelona coming up, um, mm-hmm. and you know you're trying to stay in the top four um, and, and, you know, maybe even keep pace with the teams ahead of you as well. So um, I can understand why he would rotate. Like I say, I thought it was a, a bold call to do. Um, but Tell me some of the bold calls that you thought were bold. Uh, I mean, shaking the defence up, putting Lindelof back in um, against a team that have got firepower. Because the thing with Leicester is they're, they're a bit shaky at the back, but they've got players who can hurt you. Um, and I think we saw that early on because, you know, the team shuffled up a bit. Your defence was a little bit like people didn't quite know where they should be or weren't tracking runners and things. Um, and I think you get that when you don't have the back, the same back four every single game and they start developing a bond. When you start changing people in and out, you know, if you had Varane in there instead of Lindelof, it might have looked a little bit more cohesive. Um, but, you know, when you got De Gea in the sort of form he was in, um, you can ride that period out just because <laughs> um, you know that save from Harvey Barnes with his leg or, his, or he got the hand down um, mm-hmm. was such a great piece of reaction goalkeeping and then the uh, the header from Iniacho, um I mean that was that was a world class save to get his hand back across and and claw that one out um, mm-hmm. from off the line so yeah I mean that's what he's there to do and you know, everyone knows on his day he's world class and his form recently has been pretty good um, for you guys. So, you know, he helped you through that rocky period um, mm-hmm. towards the start of the game. And then after that, you know, we saw what United have been doing great this season, which is supplying Rashford. Um, you know, Bruno, that ball for the first one. As soon as Rashford got in there, you could see like he was, he knew exactly where he was going to put that ball. There was no like indecision. There was no hesitation it was just i'm gonna get this i'm gonna take the touch out my feet get it into the box and then i'm gonna hit that corner um and he did and that was yeah just a really 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 good goal from him um the second one as well like obviously he's towed it fine on the uh the offside trap but he's onside because the guy in the middle is keeping him on 
Um, and then he's finished that one well under the keeper as well. And then I, I, I really loved the third goal as well. Such a nice, like slick flowing move. Um, and then for you know the ball to go out to Bruno and then he's just put it back inside and just first time from Sancho as well. Um, you know, it's good to see Sancho back in the team and looking like he's enjoying playing um, as well because it's never easy to to make the decision to do what he did um, right. where he went away and got his head right and and got himself right, which, um, you know, it's, it's a big call to make because people might raise their eyebrows at that or certain people, um, especially the more old school managers, might see that as a as a a moment weakness. of weakness or something. Um, but, you know, that's, that's not the age we're living in now. People are more clued up on psychology and, and dealing with players as people as well as they're not robots, you know, they're, they're human beings yeah. with emotions and, um, and, pr- and problems and things. So for the fact that he was allowed by the club to do that and the fact that he felt comfortable doing that and could then come back into the team and you're seeing that he's benefited from it now, which can only be a good thing. Cause I think it was a, a tough move for him. There was a lot of money, involved in that transfer there was a lot of pressure he'd come from a club where you know he was fully integrated into the system and was playing with you know players like Haaland and people like that who um were making the game easy for him in a way so it's hard to come into a club like United who you know when he joined you guys I don't think you'll mind me saying when he when he joined you you were a bit in turmoil there wasn't really a cohesive plan there um and he had to try and fit into something that he didn't really or no one really knew what was going on kind of thing. Um, and, you know, now he's playing in a team that has more of a deliberate framework with how Ten Hag sets you up and more of a game plan. And with, <laughs> it just, it just, you know, the, the, the team looks good at the moment. It looks like it's a well-oiled unit right now. Um, it looks yeah. like the players understand each other, which is one of the reasons why Rashford's in the form he's in. Can you stop talking? <laughs> Neil, we could hear. Oh, there you go. It's it's so uh-huh. funny. He, he he came on while you were talking, and I was like, it'd be and it and it was dark. You could see a part of him, but you could see he had to turn the lights on where he was. Well, I have the lights on. I don't know why the, the video doesn't have any light. I was like, what? Well, well, it would be funny if he just uh. spoke in the dark for the rest of the podcast. It'd just be hilarious. But sorry, go ahead. I <laughs> know. Uh, I was just saying that you know. Uh, Sancho, you're getting the best out of him and you're getting the best out of other players because Ten Hag's put a framework in place and he's put, you know, clarity into their minds about what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And, that you know, that's what players thrive off. That's the environment that gets the best out of players because um, there's consistency and a consistent style of play, even though he is having to rotate a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like he's, you know, everyone knows what they need to do. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch United right now. Yeah. I mean... Let me tell you something, man. Uh, there's just so many things that have happened this season. And I, I can't believe where we are. Uh, uh, and, but, and I say that in the best way possible. Like, I can't believe where we are in the same play, way I can't believe where Liverpool is. You know what I mean? Like, but for, you know, different reasons, you know? and. This also goes back to, you know, some of the positive things I want to say about United goes back to some of the things I just said about Graham Potter. Like, Bruno Fernandes has not rested. He plays, 
Europa League games, uh, Caribou Cup games. He plays Premier League games and FA Cup games. He plays every three days, bro. Every three days. And today, he was one of the potential candidates for man in the match after playing in Barcelona, you know, midweek. And, and like I was saying, like, good coaches, like, they're not indecisive. They, they figure out what their squad is, which I feel like, yeah, Ten Hag had a better chance of doing that because he could see tapes on United. But, you know, like, if it's still your job to figure that out fast and be decisive and kind of stick to certain things that work and, and see what, your, what the spine of your team is and use that spine. And mm. Bruno is a part of our spine, so he plays consistently. And today we changed up a bunch of things because I guess Baran is kind of, he's not young, he's injury prone. And Lindelof actually plays well when he's not next to Maguire. He's he, like today, I feel like he had a really good game. And you put him next to Martinez or put him next to Varane, you'd be like, where did we get this new player from? Like, he doesn't look like Lindelof who plays next to Maguire. He looks really good. And then uh, I guess Casemiro is still suspended, right? I think, is that the red card? Where did he get that card in what game? So he couldn't be in the midfield. So it was Sabitza and Fred. Mm. Fred, we, Fred, who is like, he's Jekyll and Hyde in the same game. He's Jekyll and Hyde from pass to pass. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> he'll get the ball. Like he 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 almost lost us the game, and then literally helped us win the game in the same game today. That pass to Rashford for the second goal, like that's all Fred. But there's so many times he coughed up the ball in the worst position. He even mm-hmm. got them a really good free kick after he lost the ball, and one of our players, Sabita, had to foul the guy at the top of the box and we set up a terrible wall, but the, the, their free kick went right into the wall. So, you know, Fred gets, it it was a frustratingly good game. Uh, uh, I love how like you like Sancho scoring today, like a person who's not a United fan because the story of Sancho and like it, how the advancements in like the understanding of mental health in football and not seeing athletes as these robots. Like if you get paid, then you should be able to play. There should be nothing wrong with you. And then how the situation was handled. So, and we, we didn't have Sancho available, even though we don't think it was an injury, but it's unprecedented. What, like what, uh, Ten Hag did with him during, the time he was going through what he was going through when we needed, you know, we had the Ronaldo trouble. Marshall was injured a lot. And we, our coach was like, I don't want to win that bad that I want to ruin this guy for Mm. the rest of his career. I'd rather like, and there's players watching this and be like, I can fuck with this guy. Like I might not even be that good of a player, but I'm going to give my best for this guy that did this for this guy that I like. Cause I know that, that like, th- that's loyalty. 
And players mm. know they're in a game where there ain't that much loyalty, you know? And that's like, like, oh, this guy is genuine. He wants to win and he pushes us, but he cares about us. And, and I know he cares about us because of how he treated Sancho. So I'm going to give my all for this guy. You know what I mean? So I, I can trust this guy. So that, that just helps. That's, that just helped build us team-wise even more and make people not want to like shrink for this mm. under pressure because this guy did this for one of our players and will do it for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to play above my, my level that I've been playing all these years before he got there. So that probably helped the whole team, not just Sancho, you know? And, uh, there could have been several United players of the match today. Like De Gea in the first half, he was definitely the player of the first half. Rashford, second half, could have been player uh, of the... Well, when he scored the goal, it definitely like changed how uh, City, Leicester City was seeing the game because they definitely were in control of that game before he scored. And they frustrated us. It's like, when the game started... We started fast because they started fast. So we started fast to let the dog know we are ready for this game. So then for like the first 10 minutes, we were in control. But then they got into the shape where we couldn't even pass through them. And we had to keep going backwards and trying to go around them. Then they wouldn't let us come out around wide. And then they'd, we'd feel the pressure. And then we'd give the ball to them. And then they took, there was a moment in this game when they took the ball and started passing it around their back. And it was the first time that they had the ball all game. And once they got comfortable passing around the back, then they started going down our right and, and having success and creating multiple chances that they could have put in the net. And that's why De Gea could have been the man of the match for the first half because he saved some really good chances yeah. that Leicester City created. And then, at, and then Bruno playing out of position on the right. He's getting used to that position. The first time he played there, he stunk. And it's tough for a guy who's doing good as a 10 to be put in a position where he's going to stink. But now he's getting used to it, and he doesn't stink there no more. So then he gets the assist to Rashford. Boom, and we score. And then all the players go in the locker room to, uh, in the post-game interview. Ten Hag said they knew they weren't playing good. And he makes the change right away. And he brings in the guy that he gave time to heal mentally, puts him in at 10, as a 10, puts Weghorst in as a 9, uh, and, and moves Rashford out to the left, sits Garnacho down, they shut down the left-hand side where all the problems were coming down, and then because of the technical ability of Sancho, we were able to hold on to the ball, and man, that football flowed like aged wine. I was like, this is a different team. <laughs> I was like, they, they played some beautiful ass ball to the point where McTominay came in. He he just was like flowing too. Like, I mean, he ain't even played in a while. I don't think he made a misplaced pass. So we just looked beautiful out there and we created those other chances and got those two other goals. And Sancho, like him scoring, it's just, I think the the, the England like Sancho, like people who are not fans of United, like love the story of this guy, it, like scoring because you can identify a lot of people have mental issues, and 
that's how they would love to be treated at their work or just in their life or by their family. And to see, it's almost like proof to them, like, see, could you do this for me too? So him succeeding, like, validates a lot of people who are not even United fans. So I think that's very, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how people who are not United fans from other teams or just any walk of life feel about Sancho because I feel like there's some connection that they have with him because of his situation and the success now that he's having. And he also plays better. It's funny, him and Garnacho, they pl- both play better when they don't start the game. They both probably want to start the game, but whenever they come off the bench and sub each other out, they both play better because they've been watching the game. They figure out what the one was doing wrong that, and what they could do right. And then they jump it and they do it. Plus with the instructions from uh, Ten High. But yeah, man, like, to beat Leicester, a team that's been on a good run lately and been putting balls in the back of the net, like you said, they have a devastating, like, unlike all the other teams in the league that are, might be underperforming, these guys can score. Like, you you know, you see what they did to Spurs last week and the team the week before. <laughs> they can score. Oh, yeah. They, they dangerous. So, so, you know, just, you know, it's just, I was fist pumping, bumping on the flight. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the people are like, "What's he watching? Like, <laughs> what movie is that? I don't have that movie in my thing." You know, so yeah, I, I, I just, I just enjoyed the win, and I watched, I watched sixty minutes of it on in the, on the plane, and then ten minutes of it in the parking lot of a Starbucks, and then I drove home <laughs> and and watched the, the the rest of it, and uh, it was a, it was a good win for United and. And uh, yeah, we're third right now, and, uh, and I, I never would have guessed that. So it's just, it's just good. And yet, and third and not, not that far away. Don't start, Neil. Don't start, <laughs> bro. <laughs> not that far away from what? From 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 getting from finishing in in the top four. I mean, there's 14 games left. Soon we're gonna be in the last 10 games of the season. So you know. Yeah, that's how that's how math works. Yeah. What's your, what's your, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you're not that far away, not just to catching up. Like you're not from finishing in the top four, from even the finishing line. Like you only got to sustain yourself at this <laughs> rate for a little while more. Man, we ain't trying to hear that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what stage should you do? You want to hear that though? Uh, last last eight games. Listen, listen. I I'm, I I am. Fully aware of what you're saying, yeah. I'm just trying not to jinx it, and then also, <laughs> then I don't want to also fall into obnoxious fan territory. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. You know, so I'd rather just my but my I'm, plan is to. That's when I can still say it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> still say it, and then I'll just pretend you're out of your mind <laughs> as my. My plan to not jinx it, and then you know. So this is this is the game we're going to be playing if we continue to win. You know. Yeah. 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 Thanks for joining us. We talked about. Uh, yeah, I figured. Chelsea. So you you joined at the perfect. <laughs> at a perfect yeah, we didn't think time. you were coming, so we we got into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we got <laughs> right into that, bro. So how are you feeling personally about Potter? 
being your coach. Like you said some things, but you're a Chelsea fan. You're a real Chelsea fan. You know everything about the club. You know all the stats. You know, you even was talking this week about like Kai Habits. Like he's he's in the running for the most big chances missed. And then you discovered that Haaland is actually the player with the most big chances missed, but it goes undetected because he's scored so many goals. He actually went ahead of Havertz again this week with that, that those two shots he took right in front of the Kayla Navis in the Nottingham Forest game. But, so, but how are you feeling? And what's the base saying? I know you're checking with the base, the fans. So The base, up? as you can imagine, is a little toxic right now. <laughs> it's it's that time in our fruit cycle with the manager where we're kind of ready for the new new guy. <laughs> oh, but I mean, again, like you know, I don't want to. Yeah, for me, like my stance on Potter always has been like I feel like this season is gone anyway, so I don't see the big hurry in sacking him. Mm-hmm. But the progression you would like to see and like, you know, at least being nudged into some positive frame of mind with Potter, that's really not happening. It's always like one step forward, two steps back with, you know, with the team right now. So, I mean, I know what should, what's the right thing to be done here, but it's just never going to happen. Like, you know, I would, I would, I would make that call to Thomas Tuchel right now. We thought that's what you were doing. Say your apologies. (laughs) (laughs) Say your apologies, you know, swallow your pride and get him back because, you know, he deserved, he was sacked prematurely. He deserves another go with this team. And uh, he might not like all the guys who you bought in the time that he was gone, but there's definitely a few of them who I could see, you know, uh, would be good for his style. But I guess that's just to, you know, uh, dream uh, <laughs> territory and it's never going to happen. So, Oddball is probably home in the mirror practicing his speech. Hey, girl, what's going on? I can't call the girl. Uh, <clears throat> could I speak to Mr. Tuchel? Uh, I can't call him Mr. Tuchel. Thomas! Hey, it's Todd. Yeah, hello, Thomas. Thomas! He hung up again. You know, yeah, they, they've tied hard. themselves into a really big bind here because I didn't realize how Potter's um, because he signed that long contract, his payout is also sixty million. So they got it. So we paid out Thomas Tuchel to cool. leave. Then we paid Brighton to release uh, uh, Potter early, and now we're staring at a big payout because I see I'm really not seeing how this is going to turn out. So. Turn it on. Maybe you could maybe maybe you could pay him out over ten years like you do the players. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think he's gonna be as charitable. It's easier to do that with people coming into the club because they All have right. some sort of buy-in. Not All that right. easy than somebody, you know, you're kicking somebody out of the door. So <laughs> I think we're I think we're stuck with him and therefore I still do hope that he does well. Right. You know you got next weekend, right? It doesn't really matter, does it? Like, you know. We're looking yeah, at does. Southampton, who were bottom of the league, just like their manager, and uh, they wow. were a more well-prepared unit than us, apparently. No, no offense, bro. But you know who you're playing next week. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. It's, uh, you, you it's know? worse, right? It's 
Spurs, yeah? Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Martin's joining next week if you lose that. <laughs> There's no way he's not going to miss his, the opportunity to get his... It, it's so funny issue. because I, I feel like the, the, the owners have... are going to double down and not uh, make a change. But mm-hmm. I don't know if this happens in American sports as much that if the fans in the stadium make as much of a expression of displeasure because there were boos at Stamford Bridge at both halftime and then immediately as the final whistle blew, it was it was a huge cacophony of boos. But then, and that's only, if we lose to Spurs, it's going to be there again. If we get kicked out of the Champions League, losing to Dortmund, it's going to be there again. When so, do you play Dortmund again? The the in midweek right after the first game. Right, so not this week. Not this week. After yeah, there's one week off. Yeah, yeah. So, That's why I don't understand why he uh, did this rotation thing. Yeah. Like, like come on, like, bro. dude, forget what they're telling you. Your job is on the line. That's what makes yes. me think that he doesn't actually believe his job is on the line. He's naive. He's naive. Is he naive or has he got some like he's 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 used to the pace of Brighton. Like in Brighton, when they say your job is not on the line, like when he got hired for Brighton, like they fired a guy that kept him up. And then he wanted to instill this good looking style of football. And they didn't even look good for most of their games. And I was like, why'd you fire your only black coach in the league for this guy? Because yeah. the team. But incrementally, they were getting better. You couldn't see it mm. until it took a it long time. Happened. It took a long time. So then he's they he he when he was told that before, they meant it. And those fans, they didn't ex they did, they're not used to like the legacy of a Chelsea. So those Brighton fans are like, all right, this is fine. We're in the league. So it's it's fine. Mm. It's, this don't look great, but all right. It, they say this guy is good, and, and we should believe in him. So there, there was no, there was for no reason for them to believe in it. There was no reason for them not to believe in him. The same way, there's no reason for Chelsea fans to believe in him now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just he's he's he has to make the adjustment and say, "I'm at Chelsea. I have to get results." This is like Ten Hag. He's like, "I'm at Man United. I know that United didn't." do great this year, last year, or the year before. But the fans, if he don't win, we wouldn't like him. The fact that he came in and he's like, I don't care. We're going to win. And we're going to we're here to win every game. And he tries to win every game. And he wins yeah. most of them. That's why we like him. That's why fans like coaches. Not yeah. because, like, Liverpool is like the only team where they genuinely really like their coach. Because nobody is really screaming for Klopp. Maybe there are some people to get fired. No, but it's also because Klopp was on that side of the uh, cycle, right? Right. Where he, the club had done nothing for such a long time and then Klopp made them win. So he, and, he has and, so and, much credit in the bank. And part is the opposite. The club has done so much without <laughs> him. And then he comes in and he's bringing them down. But like, it's, it's not just Potter, right? Like the owners are kind of also on trial because the the fans are used to 
winning and have a lot of like these you know decisive actions in terms of managers being taken under the previous manager and under the previous um, ownership and this time they've made a change with the fans didn't want and now it's not working usually in chelsea's case when you change a manager it works this time they've changed the manager and it's just not working so yeah i there were, there were thomas tuchel banners at the bridge again <laughs> Uh, oh dear! The ultimate, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the ultimate insult. Uh, let's talk about Newcastle, Liverpool, Liverpool. The week before they beat Everton, but they beat Everton. Atina was at the bottom of the table. It was a derby. The game was at Liverpool. Liverpool had on a bad run, but you could see from the the bench clearing brawl that they almost had that. Yeah some of their players were going to be back for this game because you saw them on a the bench. Van Dyke was in the thick of it. So he's like, oh, okay, he's healthy. And, oh, so-and-so's there too. So-and-so's there too. So like, oh, okay, they're getting their players back. And then, uh, you know, this game, Newcastle versus Liverpool, is at Newcastle. Newcastle's been uh, either punching above their weight or maybe this is their weight. We'll know which one of these statements is true by the end of the season based on where they end up. But Newcastle... Like Liverpool would pay to have the season that Newcastle is having right now, and you, they would have never has made this statement at the beginning of the season. And you're going to know, you figure it's going to be tough for Liverpool mm-hmm. to beat Newcastle at Newcastle with the results that Newcastle have been pulling in and the money that they got in Eddie Howe and and what he's been doing with these boys. But let me tell you something: this match was over in 21 minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is an amazing time on your stopwatch when you consider how Liverpool's season is going. And it wasn't over for Liverpool, it was over for Newcastle. 21 minutes. In 21 minutes, Gakpo had scored, Darwin Nunes had scored, uh, Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold had made two amazing through passes. And then, I think it was Gomez or Matip, long ball to... Salah and Pope, who had been coming out of his goal since the beginning of the match, came out again, mishandled the ball, red card, off the pitch, 21 minutes. And then the game actually started for Newcastle after 21 minutes, because that's when they started applying pressure. And, and, and uh, that's when they started playing good. And uh, Liverpool scored when. Newcastle had 11 men on the pitch. They did not score when uh, Newcastle only had 10 men on the pitch. I think there was points in the game where Liverpool said, hey man, could we give them back their extra man? Because we played them better with 11 men. Like, but it's, a, it, it's kind of an easy game for Liverpool, but not really because Newcastle kind of stepped up when they had 10 men on the pitch and the game seemed to be over. And I guess Liverpool kind of lost their incentive to play because that kind of helped too. But uh, good for Liverpool, I guess. And they're not that far back from the top four. Let me see how many points. They got 35 points. Tottenham has got 42 and Tottenham is fourth. So they're just seven points away despite 
the type of season they have. Did, did any of you guys get a chance to check out this game and have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, we don't get the, the three o'clock games here, or the, oh, sorry, this one was a late one, wasn't it? It was, uh, this is the evening game. Yes, I think it was the last I, I game was, on Saturday. I, I was, I was, uh, I had two shows Saturday and I, I didn't see the game live, but I was, I sort of checked Twitter now and again in between sets and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, um, when I seen that Pope had been sent off and Liverpool were 2 0 up in 22 minutes, I assumed the sending off came first. Um, <laughs> right. Because normally Liverpool, like, uh, normally Newcastle were really solid. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I thought, oh, he's probably got sent off and then, you know, Liverpool scored two goals against 10 men. But no, I mean, credit to Liverpool. Because um, like you say, there were two really well-crafted goals um, mm-hmm. that they scored. Some really good supply to the to the front players and, um, you know, Gakpo, two in his last two games now. Um, Salah was, was looking a lot more lively. That pass was great to get him in. And... Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, Nunez has been missing chances recently in games. So he took that one. Uh, he didn't mess around with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool look like they're coming back. And we, we said um, after the Everton game, you know, because there was the question, are Liverpool back? And I said, you know, they've got Newcastle next. We'll find out a lot more there. And mm-hmm. I think they you know, they answered that question that they're definitely on the way. Um, you know, Real Madrid midweek this week. Um mm going to be going to be a big test there as well and I don't know if they're going to have to rotate at all but I mean they're certainly going into that game in a better shape than they were a few weeks ago so um, yeah it'll be really interesting you know they're breathing down the necks now they're level on points with Brighton just looking at the table uh, level on points with Brighton and played the same amount of games as well so um, you know they could be leapfrogging leapfrogging Brighton soon they're still what is it six points behind Newcastle but with a game in hand uh, seven points behind Tottenham with two games in hand, so it's 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 doable. Um, they're in that position, you know. They're they're there, so um, I wouldn't put it past them. I think they've got they've got the players to put a run of form together. Um, you know, if, if Salah can maintain, you know, something approaching his best form, if Nunez is now going to start taking some chances, if Gakpo's settled. Um, if they start being a bit more consistent in the midfield now, and I was, I, I loved the uh, the way um, Bajatic uh, just rolled and received that ball in the build up to the uh, the Gakpo goal. I think it was when the defender, one of the defenders, played it to him, and he sort of had someone on his shoulder pressing him, and he just sort of leaned into them and rolled and controlled it and just came away with the ball. Um, he he looks a really really impressive talent for someone his age I think he's only 19 um, and he just plays with a calmness to play as a centre midfielder in the Premier League at such a young age and look comfortable is a real you know a real big thing and, and he he definitely looks that and Liverpool need him right now because that's you know like we've said so many times before that's the area of the pitch where they're, they're weakest yeah. it seems at the moment so the fact that he has come in as a young talent and added to what they've already got in that position has has really helped them. And I, I was really impressed with him and I've re- been really impressed with him the last few weeks. Even when they've not been playing that well, he's actually looked one of their, one of their stronger players. So that's a definitely a big plus for them. So yeah, I mean, top four is, is definitely not out of reach for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, we'll see. You know, we've seen Liverpool do this before <laughs> when they, all their defenders were injured and they took yeah. until like the last game of the season to fight their way back into the top four. 
and uh, the you know goalkeeper helped by scoring in, in the way that uh, Martinez did not help uh, Villa, you know, this week. So, yeah, man, this team got some fight in them, and they can do math. And I'm sure if they look at the table, they'll be like, "Oh man, let's 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 do this. Let's get back into this." And nothing would be more uh, validating than winning a trophy. You know what I mean? And I, when I say mm-hmm. a trophy, I don't mean the league, but who's to say this won't do something to inspire them to do something in the Champions League? But I got to say, uh, I they got to win more for me before I completely believe in them right yeah. now. Like, I'm not going to take this two-game win streak <laughs> and uh, go... Go and go, go Liverpool. But yeah, all right. This, this, this is still interesting, man. This is nothing like if you're at the bottom of the table, like you're not really at the bottom of the table because we've done this type of math before. Like mm. Southampton has 18 points, but two wins could get them to 13th if my math mm. ain't. Atrocious, you know, yeah. or to fourteen, fourteen, yeah. So that's that's a significant amount of spaces. And then if you're at the, if you're like third or fourth, you could get caught by the team that's eighth, eighth or ninth. You know, so we'll see, man. This is this is not set in stone. Is there uh, anything you want to talk about coming up this week in in these games, or anything about the games today, Neil? Um, it doesn't have yeah. to be Chelsea centric. Oh, we forgot to Champ- Tottenham West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that both Tottenham and Liverpool are like putting some results together. Uh, because those were the teams I always felt were most likely to benefit from Newcastle if they dropped some points. And now all of that is happening. Like Newcastle is dropping points, Tottenham winning, Liverpool winning. And so, yeah, I think Liverpool are very close to getting to that top four fight because they, you know, as Lee said, that they have two games in hand and they're like about six or seven points away. So, a, and and they now have their players back. They're getting clean sheets. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would actually watch out for Liverpool. I, I still think that they can end the season really strong. All right. And then we'll just we'll just mention Tottenham beat hmm. uh, West Ham. They should beat them. They have more quality. And the first half was like evenly matched. And but not in a in a bad way in a like in a in a what do they call that in chess when you is like is it not checkmate because in a stalemate kind of way like they both kind of canceled each other out like they kind of both were playing the same type of uh, game against each other and the, the the game was stuck in the middle of the pitch but it was still intriguing but in the second half we all know there's one half that Spurs is going to play better than another half that they play in and they stepped it up in the second half. They created multiple choices and those two goals were coming. And then they took, put Son on off the bench 
And uh, yeah, he got one of the goals, and I forgot who scored the first goal. It was Emerson, it Emerson was, Royale. Emerson Royale. Yeah, they they just moved more. Like they they all the the backs came into play, and uh, and uh, they 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 got to the middle of the pitch and passed to each other and put that mm-hmm. ball in the back of the Emerson's. Man, if uh, only Habits <laughs> had finishing like that, it's crazy. <laughs> He was calm on that goal, Emerson Royale, as well. He just passed it into the net. Yeah, um, yeah, I could, like he'd done that a million times. It was interesting as well because it was Ben Davies who was playing at left wing back who set him up. So it was left wing back and right wing back mm-hmm. getting up the field and combining on the edge of the box to uh, to score the goal. Yeah, it's the movement that they were they needed that was missing from the first half, and mm. and and it just caught uh, West Ham off guard. But a lot of stuff that. Spurs did in that second half caught West Ham off guard. Like they created, like it was a different game, and they created some really good chances. Skip Kuliseski missed missed a good opportunity. Kane missed a good mm. opportunity, and uh, and then they created other opportunities besides the goals that that they did score. So Spurs definitely deserved that one, and they were at home. And West Ham, yeah, man, they they they're in the bottom three, right? Uh, yeah, I think they're third bottom with us be, and, and leads below them. That'd be crazy if they go down. They got too much quality to be there. Yeah, it'd be crazy. What were you going to say yeah, I mean, about they, Champions League? Because I pulled it up. Uh, we got four games this week. Um, I think it's two Tuesday, two Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Liverpool Real Madrid is the biggest one on there. It's last year's final. Um, so I think that's the one everyone will be watching. Man City are playing Leipzig on Wednesday, yeah. and you know, like Le- Leipzig are the sort of team where if you're not on it, they'll they'll fu- they'll punish you. They'll find something, and uh, yeah. you know, I think I feel like the Champions League though is the one that Pep really wants to win this season. Um, you know, I think oh, he always wants to win the league, and you know, he cares about the league. But I think it I think it hurts him that he's not been able to win a Champions League anywhere other than Barca. Um, and I feel like, especially this season when Man City are under a lot of pressure off the field as well as on the field, um, I think he'll be going all out for making sure they, uh, they progress in these games. And then the other two games are Frankfurt versus Napoli. Napoli probably be the favourites there because they're just a crazy informed team right now. Yeah, um, Omishan's scoring for fun. The, the, the Georgian winger they've got, whose name I struggle to pronounce, um, he's unreal right now and then into Porto is the other game as well let me ask you something about Amisen <laughs> like do you think he could thrive in the Premier League because you know you know we, we get linked with so many players so we're definitely linked with him and they talk when you they link him they talk about over 100 million pounds dollars euros but I don't want some player from a league that's not as like we have bad players <laughs> that couldn't, that didn't do well on our squad, who were also old, who are thriving in Syria, not just thriving, they won leagues like <laughs> Damian, like, like Ashley Young, uh, what's, what's, like, uh, because Smalling's doing well, Smalling's doing well, he won something, he won the, 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 yeah, the, the conference the, league, the, the, the conference yeah. league, yeah, and, it, and it's like, so uh, that just tells me. This league is not as good as our league right now. You know, everything is cyclical, so that's fine. Mm. But 
Osimhen, it's like that's a trap almost to me. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it's a weird one because I, th- I think he is a very, very good player, and he's proven it in France as well. He played really well for Lille um, before he got the move to Syria. So he's done it in France. He's done it in Italy, which you know, they're two leagues where you still got to be good. Um, he's scoring at a rate that I don't think he would score at in the Premier League. Um, but I mean, I think he's only 24 years old still. So um, he's got so much potential as well. And working with a good coach um, could elevate him even further as well. Not that he's not working with a good coach right now, but working with, you know, a, a coach of even higher quality. Um, but I don't think he's necessarily worth the money that is being quoted. Yeah, that's what um, I think. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he's worth going and spending 120 million on, or something insane like that. So, you know, I think, yeah, good player. Could he score that many goals in the Premier League? I don't think he'd score as many as he scored this season, but he would. I think he'd still be fairly prolific. I mean, he would certainly improve Chelsea's team right now. Oh shit! Jesus Christ! It's fairly a big dog drug bus so <laughs> get him in. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I will say this though about Asman, like you know, as you said that you don't really know how much uh, a lot of these players when they come in from other leagues, how can how easily is it gonna be for them to translate that success in the Premier League? There are certain uh, certain things like I feel like a lot of these uh, players when they come in, physically they struggle to adapt. But somebody like Osman, that probably shouldn't be a problem because he is phys- his physicality is one of his strengths. Like he has the hang time of somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, I to speak. And um, some of the goals that he scored this season is just incredible how he managed to like beat the defense and the keeper and gets his header with the power. So yeah, he might have a better chance than most. Yeah, I mean, I hope he, he does, especially if, like, I don't want to spend that money on him. Like, I'd rather spend yeah. that money on, like, a, a midfielder like Declan Rice or still maybe get a homeboy from Barcelona. And and I feel like we could figure it out on the forward line, you know, because we have uh, Diallo at Sunderland doing good. You know, so it's like, or, you know, I don't want to say the name, but like depending on how mm-hmm. the United's review, you know, checking out his case goes and his rehabbing because he has to do go to some type of therapy and rehabbing and and prove to people that you know he deserves to like play for us again, you know. So the name. I think some known. team in the Premier League will go for Osimhen though, because if you just look at Man City, right, like. All the other teams, they're so far behind them in terms of goals output that if you're looking to challenge Man City in the next couple of years, you have to somehow address that gap. Because they, I mean, you see like the last couple of seasons, last season they didn't even have a striker, still they scored so many goals. So you will have to, like all competing teams, I think rival teams will have to address it in some form. Is it going to be Newcastle because they got Isaac, Callum Wilson? No, Newcastle are way way off. They almost have half the goals as Man City right now. So, so they might. So the might, closest is Arsenal, right. and even they are like nine goals away. Right. All right. 
uh, on a on a sadder note, I want to give a shout out to Kristen Atsu and his yeah. family and friends. Mm. I didn't want to forget to do that. Uh, they found his body and he didn't make it. But hey, man, thanks for everything, bro. Appreciate you. And uh, I hope all the loved ones and friends, everyone whose life you touch, gets through this tough moment. And, uh, you know. Crazy. Apparently, he, he, he was going to take a vacation or, uh, you know, the game before or something like that. But then he stayed on. He played well in that game. And I don't know if these reports are true, but he apparently had a flight out that night, the night before That's the that. quick. But because he did so well at that game and he scored a winner, a 95th minute free kick winner, he decided to just stay on and, you know, train more and be ready for the next game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really sad, the circumstances around. Yeah, and, and also for like just all the people in Syria and uh, Turkey who are going through this right now, yeah. you know, this like it's just rough. So if anyway you guys want to try to help them out, you know, please do. And I think something else bad happened that I wanted to, I couldn't remember. I remembered it earlier. Can't remember it now. I probably mm-hmm. definitely remember once we get off the pod. That's how my brain works. It doesn't. But yeah. Uh, and then, then right after that, I mean, I just want to, I got some shows coming up in uh, Brooklyn at the Bell House. I'll be in Houston this week on Thursday. I'll be at the DC Improv in March. Dead Crow, I think that's in North Carolina. It's in one of the Carolinas. I can't remember if it's north or south. And I'll be at the comedy store in La Jolla in May. Uh, check the link in the bio. All oh, the cool. dates on When there. in May? Oh, like, I think ninth. Because uh, what's his name just hit me up? Damn. Yeah. Oh, that's when you're going to India? Yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah, <laughs> that India trip is, is, is on. That's when it's on. Damn. Uh, damn, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got that this week. So, yeah. And, uh... So check, go to Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic and check the link in the bio. Uh, you guys got anything you want to plug before we bounce? Thanks for joining, Neil. I know, I know, this can't be easy. <laughs> the burning embers of the ha- Grand Potter. <laughs> we thought, hold on, half the when you came on, half those bottles behind you would be empty. That's why you <laughs> left the lights out. No, I, I kind of have accepted the way things are. So. I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even in the mood to brag about the result. I'm just relieved <laughs> more than anything that that our season might still be alive. Yeah, um, if you Lee, if you guys stay up, you owe a great deal of debt too. Because like that's a six <laughs> points against one club. <laughs> what was you guys did a did a crazy thing and you, you did some crazy math, a percentage math in the chat. What what is that? Six points. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've got eighteen points this season, and six of them have come from Chelsea. So that's a third of our points <laughs> this the, season. From, have, the, from the Chelsea come, Red Cross donations, have come center. just from from Chelsea's donations. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we appreciate their uh, generosity in these tough times. <laughs> Happy to have always. <laughs> and then, and then, my this is the simplest stat I've ever come up with because I don't come up with stats. But what's the name of your interim coach? Uh, 
Lee? Uh, Ruben Sellers. Ruben Sellers has the same amount of wins as Graham Potter this year, 2023, in in just one game. (laughs) Compared to how many games Potter had this year? Maybe 10 or 11? So Yeah. That's That's just crazy because like... Also, also, also watching Bacallit, Marcus Rashford has more goals in all competitions than than Chelsea has in the Premier League this year. So you definitely got a scoring problem. It used to be Haaland and now it's Rashford and soon it's going to be Kane. And then, you know, it's just like individual strikers every (laughs) week are going past us. Darwin Nunes is going to have more goals and more missed big chances yeah. than Chelsea has goals. Oh, so, yeah. So, hey, man, you, you're all going to have to have like a, you know, Indians, you still a rain dance. You might you have to figure out like some type of goal dance like yeah, yeah, yeah. to end this drought. You're going through a biblical drought right now. <laughs> yeah, we haven't scored more than one goal in 10 games. Jeez. And we haven't scored more than two goals in like, I think, 20. Or... Nkuku should feel completely comfortable next year because he'd be like, what, what pressure do I have? They, they, they scored no goals last year. Let me, let me add them. <laughs> also, Nkunku is going to come from playing with Werner at Leipzig. So... <laughs> <laughs> He knows what it's like uh, playing with someone who doesn't score. Though he probably is scoring now. Yeah, he can. He can also practice with Man City in Champions League to see if he can deal with the Premiership pace. Is is the some of the top opposition he'll be facing this week? Uh, anything you guys want to plug, Lee? When you get here, uh, I get there Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Um, so yeah, Thursday night. Uh, well, Thursday afternoon I arrive. Um, got a few shows the first few days, so I'll be posting those on my socials. But the first ones with Don't Tell in Venice Beach on the Friday. Um, I'm up at Flappers in Burbank on the Saturday. I'm at the Lyric Hyperion on Tuesday night for a show. Oh, that's cool. And then straight after, over to the store for Roast Battle. Uh, on Tuesday night so they're the bits I've got booked in so far hopefully can pick up some more stuff once I get out there as well um, but yeah those, those are the bits I've managed to get from uh, from uh, managing to contact people in advance so uh, yeah I'm looking forward to them there's some, there's some fun stuff in there that's um, yeah it's always uh, enjoyable doing stuff elsewhere outside of the usual environment so um, yeah if anyone's in the area come through uh, if you are someone who listens or watches this and comes to a show then say hi yeah those are good good shows like the lyric Hyperion recently just reopened and yeah like as a full-on comedy club so uh i've I heard it's really different now. kojo nice they, they say it's different but it, it felt the same to me like when i walked in there <laughs> they said they uh reconstructed the place and i was like this looks like They've put tables, haven't they? Because it used to be a big floor space stage. Yeah, that's, that's what they did. <laughs> so there were no tables. It was just chairs and like in, in theater style. And now they yeah, put yeah. tables and mm-hmm. said, we re, 
we we renovated. <laughs> no, it's just tables, bro. <laughs> Literally, and a little, and a, and a little, and a little stage yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much the same. So they just. You know, we renovated the ice house. The ice house just opened. You got to go up there and check it out. Yeah, yeah, check yeah, it out yeah. too. So some friends of mine, I just had lunch with them today. They were at the ice house this weekend. And uh, they said it's pretty fantastic. And like one of the, one of the, the, the bus family, somebody from the bus family who owns the Lakers, is like, they pulled a reverse Todd Bowley instead of going overseas <laughs> to own a soccer team. They went to Pasadena and bought a comedy club. And so probably wow. the oldest comedy club in America, the Ice House. Yeah, because uh, I, I used to love renovated. I used to love the old Ice House. Um, I mm-hmm. went there a yeah, couple of times on my previous visits and it was a like both rooms there were really fun. Yeah. Um so yeah, be yeah. I'm sure it's even better now. Yeah, I can't wait to go up there and check it out. I might go up there this week. Yeah. So yeah. So we talk some comedy, some soccer, and uh, all right, guys. Thanks for joining, Neil. You know, I Obviously. still, you know, Lee, congrats. You won. Martin, wherever you are, you won. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens midweek with these Champions League games. We'll be back on Thursday. Everybody take care of yourself. Be good. Love everybody. Won. Right. Good one.